please. Hi, Brother Fleming. First Samuel chapter number nine. I didn't expect him to be here. Now I gotta change everything. No. No, I'm just kidding. First Samuel chapter number nine. First Samuel chapter number nine. It is good to be back whenever I go to a place and I've been there before. I try to do all the math and try to figure out, okay, when was I there last time and uh, figured it out. It was three years ago. must have been 2014, uh, September of 2014, and I called up uh, Brother Flaming and let him know I was going to be here. I'm uh, an interim preacher uh, in Redwood Falls, Minnesota. Uh, there's a church that needed help. I was an interim pastor. You say, what's the difference? Well, it all depends on the, the focus of the people. I've uh, to this church that I'm at right now, I've got to drive an hour and 40 minutes. So it's not technically fair to call myself a pastor uh, when I live that, uh, that far away. And so I fill the pulpit there every single Sunday, you can say. I was a, an interim pastor uh, a while ago, but the Lord led me on from that. I still uh, take meetings here and there uh, as, the, as they come, uh, but my focus is uh, the church that uh, the Lord has uh, given me for this time being in uh, Redwood Falls, Minnesota. Uh, you can pray for us. There's some uh, things that uh, we have to deal with. They have a, ro- uh, a leaky roof, and uh, we need prayer as to what to do with that. Uh, we've got some insurance money uh, that is to us, but it's up to the people. Once again, I'm not the pastor, so they make uh, the choices for that, those kind of things, but you can pray for us there. In, uh, in Redwood Falls, Minnesota. But uh, my plan the, tonight is to preach the Word of God. I believe very strongly in the Word of God. I mean, I, I, I'm careful because I never want to brag about anything. I never want to say something that is not true. And for many years, I, I would be uncomfortable saying that I love the Word of God because it almost sounds like I'm bragging. But uh, I have came to the conclusion just a few months ago, just go ahead and say it. I love the Word of God. I love the Bible. It, uh, it speaks to my heart. When I read it, it speaks to me. It's God's Word, and He's speaking to me for a reason. Uh, the, the, the Spirit of God is within me, and it is His Word. So as I was studying through 1 Samuel chapter number 9, I actually preached through this uh, at the, the church there in Redwood Falls, and, and the Lord spoke to my heart through 1 Samuel and chapter number 9 as God speaks through His whole Word. And the Lord spoke to me about something from 1 Samuel chapter number 9. So let's look, first of all, at a few verses here in 1 Samuel chapter number 9. And verse number 1, the Bible says, Now there was a man of Benjamin, of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Bechorath, the son of Aphia, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power. And he had a son whose name was Saul, a choice young man and a goodly. And there was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he. From his shoulders and upward, he was higher than any of the people. And the asses of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. And Kish said to Saul, his son, Take now one of the servants with thee, and arise, go seek the asses. And he passed through Mount Ephraim, and passed through the land of Shalisha, but they found them not. Then they passed through the land of Shalim, and there they were not. And he passed through the land of the Benjamites, but they found them not. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time that you have given us tonight. 
Lord, I pray that, that through your word, your word would be expounded correctly. And Lord, that we would make a proper application to it. I pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Title of my message is, this is the only message I think I've ever had in which I have two different titles uh, for the same message. But one title is, All That God Accomplishes Among Us to accomplish His will. All that God accomplishes among us to accomplish His will. Or another title I have it is, The Donkeys Are Missing. (laughs) That's my other title. One spiritual, one is, well, whatever that one is. But in 1 Samuel chapter number 9, actually what we have in 1 Samuel chapter number 8, is the people wanted a king. They saw all of the other countries around them, and they had a king. Now, God the Father, Jehovah God, was supposed to be the king of Israel. That's what he wanted. But the people wanted to be like the other nations. So what they did is they decided, they told Moses, or excuse me, they told Samuel, Samuel, we want a king just like the other nations. Now, this certainly upset God, and this certainly upset Samuel, The reason that it upset God is because God wanted to be their king. That was God's plan all of along. He wanted to be the king of Israel. He wanted to be over them. He wanted to lead them. He wanted to guide them. But the children of Israel wanted a king. Samuel hated it, and God hated it too. But what I'm amazed by God is this. God was going to work it all together, and that's what this message really is about. God is going to work everything together, if I can use it this way. God is going to work everything together for good. Just think about this. God hated the idea that Israel wanted a king, a man king. And Samuel hated the idea too, but if you think about it, who is going to be king in the millennial kingdom? Well, it's going to be the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the first king that we have here is in 1 Samuel uh, chapter number 9 and 1 Samuel chapter number 10. And Jesus Christ himself will one day be king. So obviously we can see that the Lord uh, has used this, but nevertheless, the people wanted a king really out of rebellion to God. God, as I've said before, God wanted to be their king. So now God is going to choose a king for them. Now God was very specific with the people of Israel in saying this, look, I'm going to give you a king because you want a king, but you're pretty much going to regret that king. That king is going to want you to give so much stuff to him. He is going to be a very selfish king. I compare him very wisely, I think, to Kim Jong-un there in North Korea. Kim Jong-un has it made. Do the people in his country, a lot of the people in his country have it made? No, absolutely not. So Kim Jong-un is a lot like what God says your kings are going to be like. And those kings were certainly like that, and Saul ended up, being somebody that was just like that as well. But God was going to make Saul king. That was his choice. That was the choice of God. Now, at this time, in 1 Samuel chapter number 9, Saul is just a humble man. He, he is a timid individual. He certainly does not think like a king. Now, he, the Bible says he was head and shoulders uh, taller than everybody, but still he thought of He was very timid. He was not somebody who was arrogant at the time. He became arrogant, but starting off, he was not arrogant at all. So here is this 
boy, pretty much, of Benjamin, how are we going to make this timid guy, now he's taller than everybody else, but how is he going to be king? How is it going to work out to where he is going to be crowned king? Well, I can tell you this, the Lord has to work some things out. As he so often does, the Lord works things out. Folks, many times things seem horrible. They seem terrible. They seem, this is bad. I would like another life. Sometimes those things can come up. But we can know that God ultimately has a plan. Through faith, we trust that God is in control. But it is nice to see it in action. I have quite a few verses that I'd like to turn to today as we look at 1 Samuel chapter number 9. Turn with me, if you would, please, to Esther in chapter number 4. I believe in a powerful God. I believe in a God that I can totally trust. I believe in a God where sometimes I need to sit back and quit giving the effort. You say, are you serious? Did you just say what I think you said? Yes. Sometimes I think it's wise to sit back and let the Lord work. Esther, if I can ever find it. (laughs) Esther and chapter number 4. You can pray for me that I find it. I should in some time. There we go. Esther and chapter number 4. But uh, with Esther and uh, the people of Israel here in the Medo-Persian Empire, things were not going very well. There was Haman uh, that was seeking to destroy everybody of Israel and seeking to destroy Mordecai. But Mordecai says something to Esther that... uh, Now, Esther is a very interesting book. The word God, Lord, Jesus is not mentioned at all in the book of Esther. However, we do see the power of God in the book of Esther. If I can go a little bit deeper here. If you were to know Hebrew, and if you were to look at how Hebrew is organized in the book of Esther, you would see there's acrostics for Yahweh Jehovah in a few different portions of the book of Esther. So even though we don't see God, Lord Jesus, in the book of Esther, we see little messages of Yahweh Jehovah in the book of Esther, and uh, that is certainly proven. But we also see the power of God, especially here in Esther chapter 4 and verse number 14, as, as there's all this threat towards the Jews there in the Medo-Persian Empire. Verse number 14, For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place, but thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. Now here's the key here. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? In other words, what Mordecai is saying to Esther is, look, Esther, you may be here, now he doesn't say it, but you may be here by divine appointment. God may be setting this up to save us all, and because you are queen, God may be going to use you. Maybe you're here for a reason. And it's true. Turn with me, please, to Acts chapter number 1. I want to give much of God's word today because it is all about the Bible. Certainly not about me. Certainly not about a nice message. It's about the Bible. Acts chapter 1. I am blessed 
by the omniscience of God. I am blessed by how much He knows. I am so blessed by how He can arrange things and ultimately work it out for good. And we'll talk a little bit later about what that good is. But Acts chapter 1 and verse number 24, just given some verses uh, that are a blessing to me about the Lord Jesus and how smart He is, if I can put it that way. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 24 says, And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen. Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men. Do you realize that uh, everybody in here, God knows exactly what's in your heart? You can go to the Mall of America in Minneapolis and you can walk around and you can see everybody and you can point at anybody and you can say, according to verse number 24, God knows your heart. God, I like to say it, God is a very intelligent God. Now, the Bible doesn't call him intelligent, but, but he is. In our today, the language that we use, God is a very intelligent God. He's a very smart God. Another way I could say it, is he knows what he's doing. Let's go back to 1 Samuel in chapter number 9. The donkeys were missing. I don't like to lose stuff. Probably nobody does. I'm sure I'm not the only one here who's gotten frustrated before at losing stuff and things that you can't find. I can tell you, my wife will tell you, I've been frustrated at times before when I can't find something. Oftentimes, I end up praying to the Lord and say, Lord, if I'm right with God, that is, I say, Lord, would you help me uh, to find this particular thing? And uh, the Lord certainly does that. I remember one time I, I lost my wedding ring. This was a while ago, and it was really bugging me. It was a burden on, uh, on me. And I remember trying to sleep, but I couldn't sleep because of that. And I said, Lord, would you please help me find that? And the Lord brought me into the bathroom and uh, brought me to our toilet paper holder, one of those long things. You just stuff it down there. And I decided to take out the toilet paper, and boom, there's my wedding ring. Right away, God answered it. And my son Ezra, this was a while ago, he must have put it down there. He was probably two about the time. But uh, it's okay, buddy. I found it. I don't have it on me today, but I found it. But uh, oftentimes we get upset when we lose something. And Samuel, uh, excuse me, Saul, can't find the donkeys. He can't find the asses. Kish's father may have been tempted to be frustrated. Where did those donkeys go? And so he says to, uh, let's read verse number 3 again, And the asses of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. And Kish said to Saul, his son, Take now one of the servants with thee, and arise, go seek the asses. Try to find them. I want to bring this out here. If you see the end of this all, you can very easily come to a conclusion. That conclusion is this, as you go through this whole thing. Why were the donkeys missing? I believe that the donkeys were missing because God caused them to be missing. I believe that. I believe God caused the donkeys to be missing. You say, would God do something negative like that? Uh, the answer is yes, because the Lord has his own timing for everything. He works out things according to how he wants. I believe the donkeys were missing because God caused them to be missing. And I even think a little bit deeper about like that. I think, okay, how did God do that? It seems like somehow God must have put it in the minds of the donkeys 
to leave or, or something like that or something happened to cause those donkeys to leave. Now, who did that? Almighty God was the one that did that. Now, I know that this was a long time ago, but what I believe is that God does things like this today. I believe it, and I've seen it. Just a few weeks ago, just a quick illustration here. I'm, uh, I was uh, driving in a town that I hadn't been to for, for a while, and so I decided to go and see some of the old places uh, just to bring some memories back, and I was going to go by a, a, a man's house that I thought would be working, and as I drove by his house, I noticed that he was mowing the lawn. And obviously, as a friend of mine, I'm going to get out and uh, talk to him for a little bit. And he greatly encouraged me spiritually. And what was so interesting about this is I, I believe the Lord set that meeting up uh, because he encouraged me and hopefully I encouraged him in a, in a spiritual manner. But uh, he was it was like we would meet just like this. I mean, it was just a perfect meeting. He was, uh, I think to myself, uh, what if he would have been mowing on the other side of the house? But he was mowing on the side of the house. And it's not that his back was turned towards me. He was, you know, headed right to the road. I perfectly saw him. It was just like a boom. And we encouraged each other in the Lord. And I think at the time, I needed the spiritual encouragement from this, from this friend of mine. And this friend of mine prov- provided it through the Lord. I believe God is working. Many times we just don't see it. Sometimes I pray to the Lord, God, would you would you please do something? Would you please do something powerful? And I know the Holy Spirit says to me, I am. Look what's going on. Look what I'm doing in your life, Brian. I am. And I'm like, you're right. <laughs> you're right. You are undoubtedly right. The donkeys were missing. Why? God caused them to be missing. We think about Joseph in the Old Testament, how he was sold into slavery. May have been his fault, may not have been. The Bible isn't perfectly clear as to whether that was his fault or not, whether he caused the brothers to be jealous. But regardless, he was thrown in slavery. uh, And then he was thrown into prison because of Potiphar's wife tried to get back at him because he wouldn't do what, uh, what she wanted to do. And he didn't deserve to be thrown into prison like that. But he was there for a long time. He was there for years. In Genesis chapter 50, I actually have this verse written down. He says, and it's a familiar verse, But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass as it is this day, to save much people alive. What was the purpose? To save much people alive. So that he, uh, Joseph could be used of God there uh, when the drought came. But I wonder, I, I think to myself that Joseph probably wasn't thinking that oftentimes when he was uh, in prison. In fact, uh, he told the baker or the butler, I don't remember which one, hey, uh, go, go get me out of here. You know, uh, try to get me out of here. And it didn't happen. He didn't listen. But ultimately, God was working everything out. Joseph said, you meant it for evil. You meant to do me harm, but God meant it for good, which is always the case. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 13 says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Is God concerned with with us as individuals? Yes, yes. 
Matthew chapter 10 and verse number 30 says, But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. God knows the hair on your head. Proverbs 16, verse number 9 says, A man's heart <coughs> deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. That means with me, I often do this. I'm trying to figure out what to do. What do I do? And you know what? Nowadays, I, I think that. I, I, I try to... I'm being serious here. I, I You might think it, I'm being independent of God, but I'm not. But I know that sometimes I don't pray about things because I know the Bible says, a man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. I know that God's going to direct my steps. Sometimes with some things, the more spiritual you are, I'm going to make a tough statement here, sometimes the less you pray about certain things. Because you know the Lord's going to take care of it. God is going to take care of it. I have full trust and confidence in Him. He is an intelligent God. He knows exactly what He is doing. So the asses were lost. Verse number 4, And he passed through Mount Ephraim. Okay, so he looked, they, he and his servant, they looked for the, uh, the asses, the donkeys there in Ephraim. And passed through the land of Shalisha, but they found them not. And this can be frustrating. Not only were the donkeys missing, but now they're looking for them, and they can't find them. I have one of those uh, car computer things where you can hook it up uh, underneath the steering wheel, and it can tell you what's uh, what's wrong with it. And I was. And uh, I needed it because uh, one of the check engine lights came on in my car, and I went looking for that thing, and I looked everywhere. And it certainly got frustrating, and it got even more frustrating when I found out a friend of mine had it, and he never gave it back. Now, thankfully, I was able to get it back, but I most certainly did not appreciate that. By the way, when you borrow something, return it. It's a good thing to do. But sometimes it can be frustrating when you lose something, but when you look for it and you cannot find it. That's what was going on with Saul. They're looking and they cannot find it. Now this can certainly be frustrating, but God has a plan. You know what amazes me? From what I read right here, they passed through Mount Ephraim and they passed through the land of Shalisha, but they found him not. Then they passed through the land of Shalim and there they were not. And he passed through the land of the Benjamites, but they found them not. Wouldn't you think, man, we're wasting our time. But if you read the story, from God's perspective, they were not wasting their time. They were exactly and precisely in the will of God. Why? Because God has a plan. He's going to work it all out. I like a statement. It's not a biblical statement, meaning, meaning it's not a verse of Scripture, but it says, He who waits on God loses no time. And how true that is. I'll say this. Not only did God cause the donkeys to be missing, but God caused the donkeys to not be found. Why? Because God has a plan. God caused the donkeys to not be found. Romans chapter 8, verse number 28. And we know that all things, all things, that's everything, work together for good to them that love God 
to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. Do you realize that if you have been saved, if you have been born again, you are predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. That means as you are going through life, the end result of your life is conformity to the image of Jesus Christ, and that's in the context of Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good. That means that God is going to bring things into my life so that the result of it all is that I am conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That is the goal, His goal for every single child of God. Well, you've been predestined. You have been set to end up there, to end up in conformity to the image of Jesus Christ. I hope that's happening. I can say that if you're saved, you've been predestined to it. And God isn't going to mess that up. He's going to bring things into your life that will cause you, there's going to be chastening hand of God, but God's going to put you on the straight and narrow so that the end result will be conformity to the image of Jesus Christ. You've been predestined to it. And the Lord keeps with what he says. Lamentations chapter 3 and verse number 37 says, Who is he that saith, and it cometh to, and it cometh to pass, when the Lord commandeth it not? Say this once again, many times things enter our life enter our life enter our life and we hate it. But really, God was the one that put it there. God was the one that put it there. One thing I've really had to learn about my life is that my life is not about me. My life is about God. It is. It's not about me, it's about the Lord. My comfort, my ease, God has no concern with. What he wants is Christ-likeness from me. What he wants is when he looks at me, he wants to see his son, Jesus Christ. That's his goal. That's his desire for me. It's not about my life. It's not about how much money I can make. It's not about my ease and comfort. It's for me to look like the Lord. That's his goal. God caused the donkeys... Do not be found. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 11 says this, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of Him, who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will. I'll say it again. Who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will, of the will of God. Where are those donkeys? Verse number 5, And when they were come to the land of Zuf, Saul said to his servant that was with him, Come, and let us return. In other words, we can't find the donkeys. Lest my father leave caring for the asses and take thought for us. Saul's concern was, Look, we can't find these asses. I think we should just go back because Kish, my father, is going to start to become concerned about me. He's going to leave the asses that are there alone, and he's going to come looking for me because he's worried about me. So Saul said, look, why don't we just go back? Okay, we can't find him. Verse number 6, And he said unto him, Behold now, there is in this city a man of God, and he is an honorable man. All that he saith cometh surely to pass. Now let us go thither. Peradventure he can show us our way that we should go. 
Then said Saul to his servant, But behold, if we go, what shall we bring the man? For the bread is spent in our vessels, and there is not a present to bring the man of God. What have we? At that time, evidently, when somebody visited the man of God, Samuel, they brought a present along with them. That's uh, what they did at this time. Verse number 8. And the servant answered Saul again and said, Behold, I have here at hand the fourth part of a shekel of silver. That will I give to the man of God to tell us our way. Now, I don't know what they would have done if they would not have had this, this, this shekel or this fourth part of a shekel. I have no idea what they would have done. But as we can see, as we go through this, God has this all planned out. I believe that his servant had the fourth part of a shekel because God worked it out that way. They weren't empty. They, now, a true man of God, you would think that you don't have to bring anything. (laughs) But at this time, the culture was probably different. And so this uh, servant had the fourth part of a shekel, and I believe the Lord provided that shekel, that fourth part of a shekel of silver, to bring to the man of God to give them confidence. Now, to be honest with you, what is Saul thinking about? I mentioned earlier that Israel wants a king. God has chosen Saul to be king. What's the mentality of Saul? I guarantee you there is not a thought of his mind that is thinking at all about being a king. All he wants to do now is he wants to get, get back home so that his father Kish doesn't worry about him. Now, he wants to find the asses. He certainly wants the the best case scenario for him is to find the asses and then to go home as well. But God is thinking something different. And by the way, Samuel is also thinking something different as well. Verse number 9, Before time in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, thus he spake, Come and let us go to the seer. For he that is now called a prophet was before time called a seer. Then said Saul to his servant, Well said. In other words, Saul thinks it's a good idea. Come, let us go. So they went unto the city where the man of God was. So now they're looking for Samuel. Thinking, you know what? This man of God could help us either find our way home, or this man of God could show us the way to find the donkeys. And then we can go home. This is a great idea. We have a fourth part of a shekel. We're going to give it to the man of God, and he's going to hopefully help us find the donkeys so we can go back home. Verse number 11, And as they went up to the hill to the city, they found young maidens going out to draw water, and said unto them, Is the seer here? I see a little miracle here. The young maidens were there. I believe the Lord worked it out for the young maidens to be there. doesn't seem like a big, big deal, but God wants to accomplish something. Remember, God has chosen Saul to be king. Samuel has never met Saul. Saul has never met Samuel. How are they going to get together? You know, there's not some email or something or a text message with a picture of Saul uh, to Samuel showing him who Saul is to anoint him king. God has to work this out. Verse number 12, And they answered them and said, He is. Behold, he, referring to Samuel, is before you. Make haste now, for he came today to the city. For there is a sacrifice of the people today in the high place. I believe the Lord worked it out to where that day was the sacrifice. Remember, God's got to bring Samuel and Saul together somehow. 
And he's working this out in this particular way. Verse number 13, as soon as ye be come into the city, ye shall straightway find him before he go up to the high place to eat, for the people will not eat until he come, because he doth bless the sacrifice. And afterwards they eat that be bidden. Now therefore get you up, for about this time ye shall find him. The Lord's working this all out. Now once again, what's Saul's mentality? Saul wants to find the asses, and Saul wants to get home so that Kish, his father, will not worry. That's the mentality of Saul. But God has a completely different idea. Verse number 14, And they went up into the city, and when they were come into the city, behold, Samuel came out against them for to go up to the high place. Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear a day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow, about this time, <clears throat> I, God's claiming it for himself, I am the one that's doing this. I will send thee a man out of the land of Benjamin. And thou shalt anoint him. The Bible's very clear here. God is going to send Saul. What's the mentality of Saul? Where are those stupid donkeys? That's his mentality. What's God's mentality? Future king of Israel. Thou shalt anoint him to be captain over my people Israel, that he may save my people out of the hand of the Philistines. The Philistines were persecuting the children of God. The, the, children, of, I mean, the children of Israel had so many enemies. They had the, you know, the Moabites, they had the Philistines, they had... Uh, the Ammonites, they had the Egyptians, they have so many, and really have a lot of enemies today as well. But uh, they had a lot of enemies, and they were persecuting the children of Israel, and God has compassion upon Israel. It's very clear here, God never wanted a king, but He's choosing a king for the people of Israel, because He wants to save Israel. He wants to do something good. He wants to save them out of the hand of the Philistines. God is working it all out. From the mentality of Saul, is Saul's mentality there? No, I'm sure it's not. He wants to get home so Kish would stop, would stop worrying. Verse number 17, And when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said unto him, Behold the man whom I spake to thee of. This same shall reign over my people. Then Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate and said, Tell me, I pray thee, where the seer's house is. Isn't it cool that they're meeting up? Why are they meeting up? Well, from Samuel's perspective, you know, he's God said to him, you're going to find the future king, and I want you to anoint him. From Saul's perspective, he's just looking for the donkeys. Verse 18, Then Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate, and, uh, excuse me, I read that, verse number 19. And Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. Go up before me unto the high place, for ye shall eat with me today, and tomorrow I will let thee go, and will tell thee all that is in thine heart. And as for thine asses that were lost three days ago, how did he know this? How did Samuel know this? God told him, obviously. It's like the asses, who cares about them? You know, it's not a big deal. And as for thine asses that were lost three days ago, set not thy mind on them, for they are found. God knew where the asses were the whole time. God just had to bring Saul and Samuel together. 
so that Saul would be the king of Israel. Saul became the king of Israel. The purpose of this, as we see, just God's providence. We are very tempted. You know, if you're saved, and you look back at your life, some of the tough things that you may have gone through, if you're honest and you know the Word of God, you'll say, you know what? The results of those tough things were more Christ-likeness for me. Through them all, I've become more like God through them. And that's his plan. Romans 8, 28 and 29 again. And we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. A lot of people skip over that last part, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, but it's very important that he might be, that Jesus, he, might be the firstborn among many brethren. In other words, Jesus, because of that predestination, Jesus wants is going to have a lot of people that are just like him, and Jesus wants to be the firstborn among many brethren. In other words, the whole purpose of that is that there's more people that are just like Jesus. And that's what the Lord is doing in our lives, and we can think, this is frustrating, I hate this, this is not good, this is not what I want. But in the eyes of God, in the perspective of God, He has us really right where He wants us. They can't find Him in the land of Shalisha, they can't find Him in the land of Ephraim. The reason they can't find Him is because God has a plan. Folks, I can tell you this as I close. God has a plan, and he is executing it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you.